Isn't She Beautiful? A short story based on a true tale by Susanna Eileen Lewis. Connor Whalen resented having to wear a tux. His best friend Brian was getting married, and he and his fiancée wanted to have a fancy wedding complete with a fancy destination and fancy-looking guests. He understood it, he just didn't have to like it. Connor wasn't so sure about this venue, either. He pulled his beat-up truck through the black iron gates. The plaque attached to it welcomed him to the Pendergast Institute. Well, it proclaimed the name of the place. Nowhere on the sign did it say, Welcome. He parked where he'd been told to next to the fire station. It was the only place for visitors to park in this entire... village? Neighborhood? Microtown? The streets were alternately unmarked black asphalt or tightly laid red brick. Only the locals were allowed to drive their cars around inside, he'd been told. These streets were made for walking, at least for the peons who couldn't afford to live there. He pulled his truck in behind a silver coupe and parked a few spaces away from it in the mostly empty parking lot. He got out, smoothed down his tux, and pulled out his phone to check his map. After making sense of the sensibly planned grid of roads, he gave a short sigh and started heading towards the pavilion. He was passing by the car that had pulled in ahead of him when he saw a disaster in the making. A woman had stepped out of the little car, but not quite all of her ensemble had made it. Miss! Connor shouted as she shut the door. The woman froze and turned around. Connor jogged over to her. Your dress. It's in the car. She whipped around and then smacked her palm to her forehead. Oh my gosh, you're right. She opened the door and retrieved her dress. She took an extra step back and shut the door. Then she looked up and gave him a white-toothed smile. My hero. Something fluttered inside of Connor. Her smile was beautiful. Her blue eyes with flecks of green in them were gorgeous. The little mole on her cheek was cute. Her blonde hair tumbled past her shoulders in perfect waves. He glanced down. Oh lord, her dress was stunning. It was a pale gold strapless number with swirling lines of silver and gold glitter, studded with tiny rhinestones in flowery patterns. She'd called him her hero. Um, yeah, sure, he mumbled. Very intelligent, Connor, he thought. Articulate. He cleared his throat and stood up straighter. Shall I... Walk you to the wedding? Oh, sure. She gave him another mind-melting smile. They set off down the road and into the village. Village seemed the right word. The houses were two stories and made of brick and stone. Plaques prominently featured above the doors proclaimed the age of each one, usually around the 1880s. For buildings over 140 years old, they looked remarkably good. There were no vines crawling uncontrollably up the walls. Every house had a garden, and all of them were impeccably maintained. Not a weed sprouted among the roses, hydrangeas, and hostas. As a gardener himself, Connor was suitably impressed. My name's Daphne, the woman said. Daphne Belrose. Hmm? Connor responded before his brain processed that she was talking to him. What was wrong with him? Looking at the landscaping instead of the gorgeous woman walking next to him. I'm Connor. Nice to meet you. Are you a friend of the groom's? Yeah, I used to be Brian's roommate. You know the bride? Sarah was my roommate in college. Hey, former roommate buddies. He held out a fist for her to bump. He realized immediately how silly that looked and sounded. But she laughed. It was a wonderful noise. A perfect ladylike giggle. And she bumped his fist. Her small, soft fist thumped into his larger, work-hardened knuckles. A toothy grin spread across his face automatically. 
He turned his face back to the road, hoping he wasn't blushing too obviously. A shiny blue truck was rolling down the street. As they passed it by, it came to a stop and the window rolled down. An old man with a head and chin full of white hair leaned out. Good and ask for better weather, eh? It took Connor a minute to figure out what he meant. He glanced down at his tusk. Oh, he must know we're here for the wedding. Definitely, he answered. And it was. It was a splendid 70 degrees. There was just enough of a breeze that he wasn't sweating in his tux. Fluffy white clouds dotted the blue October sky. The white-haired man's smile widened on his chubby face as his eyes fell on Daphne. Wow, he muttered, before he remembered himself. I get it, buddy, Connor thought. You look so beautiful. Lovely dress. Daphne blushed and tucked some stray hairs behind her ears. Thank you. Have a nice day, the man said, waving and rolling up his window. He looked like he'd been on his way out of the community, but Connor glanced back and two blocks down, the man turned back down a road he knew only led to the interior of the village. Must have forgotten something, he thought. A minute or so later, they turned the corner around another ancient house and saw a little park leading up to the pavilion with a grey-stained wooden shingled roof. They both paused in front of the structure and looked in at the two rows of white pews. Where do we sit? Daphne asked softly. Doesn't seem to be assigned seating, he whispered back. He shrugged and led the way down the aisle toward the middle where an empty pew sat invitingly. As he sidestepped in, he noted with surprise and pleasure that Daphne was coming in after him. She sat down next to him. Is this all right? She asked with a sheepish smile. You're not waiting for anyone, are you? No, no, you're good. I don't really know anyone here. His toothy grin returned. Oh, good. They proceeded to spend a few minutes swapping stories of the bride and groom over the gentle sounds of the pianist plinking away up front. Eventually, Connor noticed the flower arrangements on the edge of the pews and began to discuss them, naming each flower and telling her about their different growing zones and how difficult each was to grow. He realized he'd been rambling for too long when she said, You know a lot about flowers. Sorry, he said, rubbing the back of his neck. I'm a gardener. I love gardening, she exclaimed. And to prove it, she retrieved her phone from the little cream handbag she was carrying and began flipping through photos of the small but well-kept space in front of her house. His heart did a little flip as she bemoaned the difficulty in procuring the peonies she liked. I'm in love, he thought. And then a few seconds later, his rational side stepped in with, Stop that, man, you just met this girl. And then, after a few more moments, But she has six different types of hydrangeas. Hydrangeas were his favorite bush. Daphne grinned as she swiped through the pictures. She was adorable when she was excited. What do you think? She asked looking up and catching his eye. Beautiful, he muttered dreamily. She looked away, tucking the hair behind her ear again. He cleared his throat and started looking around, trying to find something else to occupy his mind other than the curve of her mouth. His eye caught on the black structures dotted between the pillars of the pavilion. They were eight feet tall. A heavy square metal base counterbalanced four spindly iron rods that curved around each other to hold up a shallow bowl. He pointed them out. Those look like braziers. Braziers? She asked. You know, for olden fire. She looked at them. I can see it. Feels kind of appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah. The hotel we're staying at is called the Delphi. The wedding party is getting ready in the Hall of Tranquility. And there's a full-on amphitheater over by the hotel. 
Really? He chuckled. I haven't been to the hotel yet. Are you not staying here? I am tonight, he said. Boss wouldn't let me get away until this morning, so I drove up today. You're in for a treat, then. He raised an eyebrow, and she continued, leaning over and whispering conspiratorially, It's supposed to be haunted. Oh, yeah? He glanced over his shoulder toward where he could barely see the hotel's gabled roof in the distance. You believe it? She considered it for a few moments. Maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. This whole place is... weird. What, you mean the black iron gase old-ass buildings of the name Institute aren't totally normal? He chuckled, but she didn't. I don't know, it just feels a little... culty. She shivered, despite the perfectly lovely weather. I can see it, he said. Daphne pointed up to the front of the pavilion beyond the wedding arch. I think those are flower pots, though. And indeed, the two structures immediately behind the arch were filled with overflowing plants, pretty morning glories trailing over the side. He tilted his head down into the side. Really shallow. No drainage holes, he thought. Terrible flower pots, if that's what they're meant for. He thought it was more fun to think that they were braziers. Perfect for lighting up the space while the upper crust folks perform their illicit ceremonies. He suppressed a laugh at his own mental joke. But speaking of ceremonies, the one they had come to observe was about to begin. It was a lovely wedding. The bride and groom both cried. The groom cried first. The officiant was mercifully brief. Vows were exchanged, more tears were shed, rings were exchanged, and the happy couple kissed. They ran off down the aisle to the cheers of their friends and family. After the wedding party followed them, the officiant gave brief instructions on how to get to the hotel where the reception was taking place, which required another brief hike and dismissed them all to make said hike. Connor and Daphne stood up together and shimmied out of the pews. They walked to the edge of the road when Connor paused, and she looked back. I gotta go grab my bag so I can check in. See you in a bit? She asked. Of course, he said. They parted ways and Connor speed walked back to his truck. He quickly slung his duffel bag over his shoulder and began making his way to the hotel. Thankfully, it wasn't a large village and his bag wasn't too heavy. He walked with purpose, barely looking from side to side. That is, until a group of five statues caught his eye. They were people, life-sized and standing in a circle with their arms upraised. Something in their posture made it look like they were dancing. They were not exactly attractive statues. They seemed to be made of ceramic or maybe concrete. Either way, there was a certain melty texture to them. They were painted in what must have once been bright colors, but were now quite faded and patchy. They looked oddly drab for the incredibly well-maintained property they were standing in the lawn of. On each one's face was a smile. They were probably supposed to look cheery, but they didn't. Something about the melty texture of the ceramic almost made them look like they were crying. Or maybe it was the hollow eyes that were throwing off the look. Dark black holes stared out from under their lids. Connor stared back as the hairs on his arms stood up. Why didn't they mold the eyes? He wondered. He took an involuntary step back. Even the smooth, pupilless eyes he'd seen on some lawn statues would have been better than the soulless voids these ones sported. Beautiful, aren't they? A voice called from behind him. He jumped and whipped around to find an elderly man leaning on his rake, a pile of leaves at his feet. He was bald except for some white hair sprouting just above his ears. 
His small smile made his rosy cheeks bulge and drew attention to an ugly old scar that marred the right side of the top of his lip. He was wearing red flannel and a garish purple scarf with an orange key print on it. Connor Senses came back to him. He nodded. Beautifully creepy, he finished in his mind. He shook his head and kept walking. He just about cleared the odd feeling from his consciousness when he saw another one. It was just one this time, but another drab, weirdly textured ceramic person stood with arms upraised, grinning with hollow eyes out at the road. Great, he thought. It's not just that one house. It's the whole community that's weird. Maybe it was unfair to judge the community based on the odd lawn ornaments of just a few. Perhaps. But he felt justified in condemning any community that allowed more than one terrifying lawn decoration outside of Halloween. Thankfully, there were no more hollow-eyed statues to be seen, at least on this route, which was just as well. He felt like he could still feel their stares boring into his back as he crossed over the threshold of the Delphi Hotel. The building was made in the Second Empire style, a fact that Connor knew because his sister was an architect and she'd given him a lecture on the building when he told her where he was staying. As far as he was concerned, the word fancy suited it just fine. Off to the right was the bar where most of the wedding guests were getting drinks for the cocktail hour that was being held while the bride and groom and the rest of the wedding party were having pictures taken. Near the door, he saw the check-in desk was being manned by an old woman with her white hair piled high in an elegant fashion. Is anyone here under the age of 60? He wondered as he walked over. She smiled as he approached. You must be Mr. Whalen, she said. I am. I don't know. A small chill ran through him. You're the only one who hasn't checked in, dear, she said. Duh, he thought. The statues must have really freaked him out if he thought Granny here was menacing. She reached behind the counter and brought out a brass key with a metal tag declaring his room number. He tossed it up and caught it with a chuckle. He couldn't remember the last time he'd been given an honest-to-God metal key instead of a plastic card for a hotel room key. He thanked the woman behind the counter and hustled up the nearby ornately carved staircase. He quickly found his room, unlocked it, and stepped inside. He found it a little unimpressive compared to the rest of the hotel. The walls were pale yellow, the floor was an ancient blue patterned carpet. The bed was a full, pushed into the corner of the room and covered in pure white sheets and duvet. A simple wooden headboard tried and failed to make it look a little more fancy. There was a high-backed wooden chair under a wooden desk with a wooden dresser on the other side of the room. None of the wood's staining matched. A flat-screen TV hung across from the bed, looking extremely out of place. Connor shrugged. He'd seen worse. He headed into the bathroom, which was behind a white door next to the bed. He chuckled as he looked inside. Outside in the hallway, the floors showed the age of the building. They were warped enough to make you doubt your sobriety when walking across them. But the hump in the floor of this bathroom was enough to make a camel jealous. He splashed his face with some water and toweled off wiping away the bit of sweat that had formed on his forehead on his walk here. He bared his teeth, checking for any stray bits of the taco he'd eaten for lunch. He scratched his stubble skeptically, but decided it was going to have to do. Satisfied, he straightened his tux and headed downstairs. He stopped by the bar and picked up an old-fashioned. Glancing around, he didn't immediately see Daphne, but he did notice the double doors leading to the back porch were open, so he headed that way. Outside, he found her leaning over the railing, staring out over the lake. A light breeze tousled her blonde hair gently. His heart picked up speed as he walked over. Hey, he said. She brightened when she saw him. Hey, you're back. For a few minutes, they explained pleasantries. Asking about where they lived, she lived only 30 minutes from him. And their jobs, she was a dog groomer. 
Eventually, he brought the conversation around to what he wanted to ask. So, on the way here, did you see those statues? She finished. The ones with the hollow eyes? She nodded solemnly. Oh, yeah. They're freaky, right? Oh, yeah, she confirmed. Terrifying. He laughed. Okay, I, I thought so. There was an old man raking leaves at the house across the street, and he asked me if I thought they were beautiful. Was he blind? She asked with a giggle. Hard to say. Would make more sense, though. Maybe he has dementia or something is remembering what they used to look like. He was old as heck. Isn't everyone here? She quipped. Seriously. Did you find your room okay? She asked. Wasn't too hard. It's a bit boring. Anything weird happen? He regarded her for a moment. Feel like I'm gonna fall over if I walk over the floor drunk. Did something weird happen with your room? Just some electrical stuff. Like what? She shifted, crossing her arms over her chest almost like she was hugging herself. My alarm clock was acting up last night. Oh. It started clicking rhythmically, almost like Morse code. He frowned. Could you repeat it? She shook her head. No, I don't know Morse code, so I couldn't tell if it was really that or if it was just malfunctioning. It stopped after a while. Well, that's good. She stared at him. Or not. At midnight on the dot, it started blaring. I hadn't set it. Actually, I'd make sure the alarm wasn't set. But it went off and it wouldn't stop. I hit the off button over and over, but it kept going. I had to unplug it from the wall to get it to stop. Connor felt that chill run up from the middle of his back to the top of his neck. He felt the hairs on his arm and the base of his skull standing up at nervous attention. Creepy, he said. Yeah. She looked out of the water. What do you think it means? He asked. Daphne shrugged. Maybe nothing. It's probably just the electric in this old place acting up. Probably, he said with more certainty than he felt. It just felt like she trailed off. What? Nothing. It's silly. Oh, I want to hear. I promise I won't laugh. She gave him a lopsided grin that melted into a frown. It feels like something was trying to tell me something. Or... Or... Give me a warning. A warning? He scratched his jaw and thought. About what? I don't know. There's just something about this place that feels off. He thought back to the black voids and the eye sockets of those statues. I feel that. She gave a great sigh. It's probably ridiculous. I need a drink. I haven't made use of that open bar the bride and groom so thoughtfully provided for us. He held up his glass. Here's to that. They went back into the bar, ordered some drinks, and sat down in rocking chairs to wait until the wedding party arrived. It didn't take too long. They heard the DJ announce that it was finally dinner time, which was good because Connor was starving. He stopped by the board, which listed everyone's seating arrangements, and he was thrilled to discover that he was seated at table 13, right next to Daphne. He stepped up to her chair and pulled it back. As he helped her push in the chair, he looked up and caught Brian's eye over the heads of the crowd. The groom waggled his eyebrows and winked at him. You old dog, Connor thought. You put us together on purpose. 
Well, he wasn't going to complain about it. He sat down in his own seat and took a deep drink of the white wine on the table. Speeches were made, more tears were shed, and dinner was mercifully served before Connor started gnawing on the tablecloth. It was steak with asparagus spears and potato chunks. Everything was perfectly cooked. The steak rare, the potato soft, and the asparagus the right amount of crutchy. Daphne was having the risotto. Connor didn't want to admit that he didn't know what risotto was, so he just smiled and nodded when she told him how good the texture was. Halfway through dinner, a waiter came by to top off water glasses on the table. He was the first person that Connor had seen working here that was under the age of 60. How's your meal? he asked. Daphne smiled with her mouth closed, and Connor said, Great. Hey, let me ask you something. The waiter raised his eyebrows in attention. Are you from around here? Like, in Pendergast? No. <laughs> no. He laughed nervously. I live down the road. It's not like this. Connor cocked his head to the side. Like this? Yeah, this place is weird, the waiter said. And then, without elaborating further, he scuttled along to the next table. Connor and Daphne caught each other's eyes and both chuckled awkwardly. He went back to eating, trying to push away the feeling of foreboding that was rising inside him. And then it was time for the dances. The happy couple danced, parents danced with their children, and then the DJ opened it up for the rest of the wedding to dance. For a few minutes, Connor and Daphne swayed to the music, watching the other dancers and occasionally glancing at each other when they weren't looking. Eventually, Brian passed by on the dance floor and stared pointedly at Connor. He held up his hands in surrender, cleared his throat, and turned to Daphne. Do you like dancing? He shouted above the music. Kinda. You wanna dance with me? Sure. His heart did a little happy flip, and he stood up and offered her his hand. They danced. Neither of them was a particularly good dancer, but they sure put everything they had into it. They spun and kicked and waved their arms around like the very white people that they were. Connor didn't usually like dancing, but he liked dancing with Daphne. By 11 p.m., they were exhausted. Together, they walked back out onto the porch and sat down on a bench. Connor decided to take a risk and put his arm around her shoulder. And she let him, leaning her head into his shoulder. She sighed. He blew out air through his nose slowly when he realized he'd been holding his breath. The night was beautiful. A mostly full yellow moon hung low, reflecting over the lake which the porch overlooked. The temperature had come down to the low 60s. There was still a light breeze that helped cool them off. Unfortunately, he was beginning to feel drowsy. He'd gotten up at 5 a.m. to drive to New York, and despite the energy drinks he'd chugged earlier in the day, he could feel the tiredness seeping into his bones. Under his arm, Daphne yawned so hard that she shook a little. Tired? he asked. She nodded, blinking slowly. I didn't sleep very well after the whole alarm clock thing last night. A bit. After a few minutes and a few more yawns from her, he said, I'm about done myself. I can walk you back to your room. If you won't. She hesitated for just a few seconds, and then in a small voice she said, I'd like that. And so he stood up, offered her his arm, and they made their way toward the stairs. On the way up, they passed the old woman from behind the desk. Her eyes lit up when she saw Daphne. Look at you! What a beautiful dress! You look lovely, dearie. I, I dare say you're the most gorgeous young lady here. Daphne waved her hand dismissively. 
Connor didn't say anything just in case the bride was in earshot, but he thought she was right. The old woman turned to Connor with a conspiratorial wink. You're a lucky man. Instantly, they broke apart, mumbling their denials. The old woman smiled and nodded knowingly. Oh, my apologies. Have a good night, dears. They stepped aside and let her pass by. The two young people glanced at each other, laughing nervously and blushing furiously as they turned away and continued up the stairs. They made their way unsteadily in the warped flooring, confirming that it did indeed make walking difficult if you were even the slightest bit tipsy, which both of them were. Thankfully, they managed to make it to her room without tripping. Daphne pulled out her brass key from her handbag and opened up the door. She paused in the doorway, turning around to look at him. Thanks for walking me back, she said. Happy to, Connor said. She turned back to the doorway, but again didn't go inside. His heart began to beat a little harder, tentatively, in his chest. His palms went a bit sweaty. Will you be all right tonight? He didn't add alone to that sentence, but he thought it was obvious. Her incredibly blue eyes searched his face for a few moments, but then she turned away again. I'll be all right. He tried to hide the disappointment from his face. Well then, uh, sleep tight, he said, lamely. You too, she said, without looking back. See you in the morning? Definitely. With that, she went inside and closed the door softly. Connor stood outside it for a few more seconds, half hoping she'd change her mind, open the door and leap into his arms. But she didn't. The door stayed stubbornly closed. He sighed heavily and finally turned to stumble towards his own room. The exhaustion hit him all at once. No longer was his racing heart pumping adrenaline through his veins, and the alcohol he'd drank and steak he'd eaten sat in his stomach like lead. He barely had enough energy to strip off his clothes before collapsing into the white sheets. Despite how the night ended, he smiled to himself. He'd had a good time. Somehow he'd forgotten how uncomfortable the tux was. He'd even forgotten about the weird statues. He drifted off to sleep without noticing. He wasn't asleep long, though. A noise woke him up. He sat up straight, blinking his eyes in the darkness of the room. What had awoken him? He slung his sore legs over the side of the bed and stretched them. A crash. He'd heard a crash? Where? He glanced over at his clock. The glowing red digits declared it to be right after midnight. Midnight. He remembered Daphne's story about her own alarm clock. He picked up his device and inspected it groggily. Was this what had made the noise? As he held it, it refused to do anything. He set it back on the bedside table and stood up. He was pretty sure that noise hadn't come from inside his own room. Carefully, he crept over to his door and unlocked it. He pushed his head outside the door. Hunched over on the floor in the middle of the hallway was that old woman, she held a hand broom and a dustpan and was sweeping up something from the floor. She glanced up at his door, it creaked open. Oh, hello, dearie, she said. Is everything all right? He asked. She smiled automatically. Nothing to worry about. Someone just got a little too rowdy and dropped a glass. Oh, he said. There was something wrong with that. The crash he'd heard. Was it a glass? He thought maybe it was something heavier than that. But then again, he'd been sleeping. Maybe his brain was playing tricks on him. I've got it handled, dear, 
Go ahead and go back to sleep, Connor, she said. For a moment, he forgot that she knew his name. But then he nodded and closed his door slowly. He turned the lock back over and leaned his head against the door for a few seconds. Then he sat back down on the edge of his bed. Something felt wrong, but he couldn't put his finger on it. And then a nail fell out of the wall, sending his blinds crashing to the carpet. He nearly jumped out of his skin, crawling back into his bed until his back touched the wall. He breathed hard, heart racing for a few tense seconds. And then he shook his head and walked over to inspect the blinds. The nails that had been holding the window covering in place were ancient and rusted. They should have used screws. He held up the nail to the moonlight, now pouring through the glass. He smiled to himself. He was being silly. He put the nail down on the desk nearby and turned back to his bed, feeling the adrenaline slipping away again. But something caught his eyes. He leaned on the windowsill, looking out over the village grounds. The second floor of the hotel sat taller than the roofs of most of the homes in town. He could see the top of the pavilion in the distance and the orange flickering lights surrounding it. Black fires and braziers. He stared at it for a few minutes, trying to understand what he was looking at. It sure looked like the light cast from fires and braziers. Finally, he stood up straight and rubbed his neck. So what if they were braziers? What business of his was that? As Connor laid back down in the bed, he glanced back at the blinds crumpled on the floor to the window. Daphne's words from earlier in the night came back to him. It feels like something was trying to tell me something. His last thought before he fell asleep was, maybe something is trying to tell me something. Well, screw that, ghosts. I'm not listening. Connor woke late the next morning. He'd hoped to get up earlier, but he was absolutely exhausted. He took a shower under a faucet with less than impressive water pressure, but it got the job done. He gave his face a quick shave, dressed, and nearly jogged down the stairs. He made his way to the restaurant where they were, thankfully, still serving breakfast. He scanned the room, a hopeful smile on his face. It slowly melted off as Daphne failed to be seated anywhere in sight. Quickly, he looked around outside, checking the back porch, but she wasn't there either. In a funk, he dragged himself back into the restaurant and grabbed a glass of water and some scrambled eggs. Brian saw him and waved him over, and he sat next to him and his new bride. Both looked a little rough, dark circles under their eyes, but their big smiles helped lighten the mood. They told him a few stories about what had gone down after he'd gone to bed, and then Brian nudged him on the arm. I saw you head up with Daphne last night. Connor felt heat rise up his neck. Yeah. And? And what? What happened? Nothing. I just walked her to her room. Brian gave him a playful shove. You're too much of a gentleman. Connor didn't tell him how much he hadn't wanted to be a gentleman. Have you seen her this morning? Brian and Sarah shook their heads. We did just get up right before you, though. She might have been in earlier. Yeah, probably. After eating breakfast, Connor started to head back up to his room, but he paused on the steps. He turned around and walked over to the check-in desk. A young woman in her 20s with nut-brown hair tied up in a tight bun smiled at him. Checking out? In a few minutes, he said. Actually, I wanted to ask you if you'd seen Daphne Bellrose. He described her briefly. She nodded. Yes, she checked out earlier this morning. Damn it. 
he thought. So much for see you in the morning. Defeated, he made his way back up to his room and began packing. He kicked himself mentally for getting up so late. She must have had to get back into town earlier than he did. Maybe he could ask Brian for her number. Neither of the newlyweds were in the restaurant when he came down, so he resolved to text them later. He checked out and began the trek back to where his car was parked, feeling decidedly less chipper than the day after a wedding usually warranted. He barely noticed the first statue when he walked on by. And he nearly ignored the next circle of six. Connor stopped. Wait, six? He turned back around and walked over to the statues. The five strange, melty statues were still there, still staring rapturously and soullessly into the heavens. But there was a new one now. The circle had been expanded to a sixth. Like the other, she stood with arms upraised, her posture one of a dancer. She had the same eerie black voids for eyes, but the paint on the statue was new. She had flawless pale skin, a little mole on her cheek, and wavy blonde hair. She was wearing a pale gold dress with rocks like rhinestones pressed into it. Connor stared at the statue, his heart thumping inside his chest. His knees felt weak. It was... It was... He heard a crunchy scraping noise behind him. Slowly, he turned around. Standing across the street, a man leaned on a rake. He was tall with sandy blonde hair swept back over his head. He was wearing a flannel with the sleeves rolled up. A purple scarf with orange key print dangled from his neck. When he smiled, the edge of his upper lip caught on a barely visible scar. He regarded Connor with cold blue eyes flecked with green. Beautiful, isn't she? This has been Isn't She Beautiful by Susanna Eileen Lewis. And now here's the truth of the story. The story is based off of a trip my husband and I took to a friend's wedding. Almost all of the events in this story are based on real experiences and conversations we had with the other wedding guests. An old man in a car really did stop to talk to us about the weather, which was, in fact, glorious. My husband and I had the conversation about the flower pots that looked like braziers. There were incredibly freaky statues with hollow eyes. We talked to another couple that told us the story of their alarm clock that clicked strangely, like Morse code, and went off weirdly at midnight. That same couple talked to the waiter at our table, and he really did comment oddly about the community and then refused to elaborate. I didn't even write about the guys who told us the story of when they were walking back to their car in the dark and were followed by a guy who kept getting closer every time they looked back. Every person we talked to at the wedding had the same strange feeling about the place, and 90% of them used the word culty. As the night went on, my writer brain went a bit wild, concocting a spooky story of this weird community full of immortals who invited young people in to have weddings and steal one of the guests to consume their essence. Of course, that part is total fiction. Probably. <laughs>